Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsbrew, and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife, and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor podcast. All right. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Danny. I am super stoked and super excited that you are here with us. So for those of you who are seeing us and meeting for the first time. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsborough. I am a luxury short-term rental investor out of Georgia. We also host in a number and a variety of places. I just think it's important that our community is educated and understands the numbers. I want to demystify and debunk. Like I said a, a little bit earlier, living off of hopium, we're not just going to buy something and hope that it works out. But we want to drill down and get really laser focused on what the numbers are looking like, especially in light of the data that is coming down the pike. OK, the economy is changing. We want to make sure that we are positioning ourselves to win. And so because of that, I am just super, super grateful to have the infamous Danny Rustine here with us ex-Airbnb employee, owner, and operator of STRs as well. And he actually wrote an amazing and powerful book called Optimize Your BNB. And he has a, an, is it my B or your BNB? I don't know. I'm drawing a blank right now. But your company's Optimize My BNB, right? Yeah. Website is Optimize My BNB. You two Optimize My BNB. And the book is Optimize Your B kind of because yes. you're going to be doing it. I love it. I love it. So just a wealth of education. He's on YouTube, just providing a wealth of information. And the book, let me tell you, it is definitely a must read and one that's going to help us throughout 2023 and beyond in our hosting journey. So Danny, massive welcome to you, to our community. And thank you so much for being here with us. I think you're going to do better justice to your introduction. So I'm going to be quiet and let you introduce yourself to the people real quick. <laughs> I will do that. Thanks for having me on. And I'm, this is an interest, an interesting niche community, doctors and luxury space. So I like that. I'm Danny, for anyone who didn't know, I came from Airbnb. I was an accountant over there. And then I moved, did a few steps until I got where I am now, which is basically all things Airbnb. I live in Airbnbs. This is an Airbnb here in Medellin, Colombia. I've lived in Airbnbs for 2,000 nights, almost exclusively since 2017, which gives me and me alone, as far as I'm aware of all the kind of Airbnb gurus out there, 
I'm the only one that sleeps in Airbnbs as a guest. I see that perspective. And I think that really, even more than being a prior Airbnb employee, that gives me a perspective that no one else has. It's actually really interesting, especially as now an owner of an Airbnb here in Medellin, Colombia. It's called the Belmonte Penthouse. I'm branding it and I've been doing it for just over a year now. And yes, I wrote a book in 2018. I I have a YouTube and Instagram and I'm glad to be here. I'm so appreciative that you are here to just give us some highlights and some pointers on how are you optimizing your properties lately? Because I do know that that is the cornerstone of Optimize My B. And the backbone, of course, is having the optimal photos, having an optimal listing descriptions, really being that type of host that has the guests in mind all along the way. So what are you seeing that a lot of guests are missing right now? Or what big mistakes are you seeing? And how do we fix those mistakes? The big mis- the big mistakes. Well, I mean, it's kind of the same. It's so if you were a guest and you go on Airbnb, there's a few you okay, you have taking a step back, you have to understand the guest reservation flow. It follows a very consistent flow in that there are there is information the guest wants and needs at certain points of the reservation process. And so I think hosts don't have a good grasp of this. And how I know that is when I optimize listings, I see, for example, checkout rules in the check-in message or in the house rules before they even book the listing. So anyone who's here who has that, take that out. That's not the right time in the reservation process when the guest needs to know it. And it has a double effect in that the guest now starts to understand, okay, this host doesn't know what they're doing. They're wasting my time. I don't need to know check out rules. So then they're going to stop reading. And then you have them, the important stuff that you're trying to communicate, they're probably not going to see. So the reservation process is a big point in improving hosts game. And then my kind of my basic tenants is title, photos, and text. There are strategies within each of those categories and we can go through it now, or we can wait and see if someone has a specific question about that. But it all focuses on be differentiating yourself from your competition in a way that increases your conversion rate. And we do that by communicating more information to the guest in a shorter amount of time. For example, bullet points in the text rather than 98% of listings have big block text like you read in a book. But we're not reading Airbnbs like a book. I love that. And it sounds like it's just small things sometimes, right? Danny, that counts. There's a hundred. Yeah, there's a hundred small things that you should be doing, none of which is going to make you successful. But if you're thinking about all these things and they're not like you're not managing a hundred things every single day, it's just a hundred points in your hosting journey. You can decide to make that. You can decide to think about that interior design all the way from the beginning, looking at the numbers. This is all one of the hundred things, looking at the numbers, how you furnish the place, how you message the guest, how you optimize your title, your text, your photos. So there's a hundred decisions you can make to be a successful host. I love that. And so Danny, tell me a little bit about how this came to be. I know I jumped all in. What prompted your passion for going into this to the point where you live in short-term rentals, you live in Airbnbs and you teach others how to optimize. Could you tell us a little bit about that journey? Well, okay. I'll tell you about that journey. Yeah. I don't answer this question all that time. Not many people I think ask me, but I, I, I have, it's different than what probably you think. 
So I got into the space just by the fact that there was a random conversation in my kitchen 10 years ago and I applied to Airbnb and got in there. It was a great company. I was having a good time getting paid well. And then I, the company, I actually got fired. <laughs> I say that in the book for anyone who's read it. And then my life kind of changed a little bit, but I kept with Airbnb. At this point, I had a decision. Do I continue? I'm a CPA. Do I continue with that route? I've already been at a few companies or do I go with the Airbnb route? And I went with the Airbnb route and I went with it because I just felt more passionate about it and I did enjoy doing it. But it wasn't until I started traveling as a guest where I realized that what I'm doing and why I enjoy doing it is more than just like, oh, I happen to be doing this. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a specific example. It's one specific example that kind of triggered everything. So Let's see. I think, I think, I don't know if I should place myself in this example. Well, it doesn't matter. So when I was younger and I don't even know if this, how my mom would always say like, not always, but I remember it coming up a few times and I remember it connected to me and I, it was something, I think it was like, like whenever you would see something about French in the news or something, she would sometimes make a comment like, oh, French people don't like American people. And that, that was like kind of common knowledge. French people, French doesn't like Americans, whatever. So I was like, oh, okay, interesting. So I don't like French people either. And then, and that's true with a lot of different countries. All these countries have their different, even Russian, Ukraine right now. If Russians were to meet Ukrainians, they'd be like, wait, you're just like me. You're exactly like me. You even speak the same language. So I went to France to do Airbnb open. And I remember being like, these people are just like me. They're literally just like me. And so what did Airbnb give me? Airbnb made me, enabled me to travel. And then I met French people and I was like, oh, these French people are just like me. So the Air, if, Air, if I can help Airbnb hosts be better and offer better experience to guests, then Airbnb cre is creating a lot of these connections around the world that otherwise wouldn't have existed. You only hear about a country via the news. But if you actually go there and you meet the people, the perspective is totally changed. And so it's kind of like a generic thing to say about, especially where I'm from, being from the Bay Area, oh, I have this startup, I'm going to change the world. But I think all of these connections, people act, so the process of traveling being easier creates more worldwide connections, which I think actually has a benefit in making the whole world a safer place. So it's a very grand idea, but I do actually believe that. I love that. I think that's very interesting. So I know a lot of people are on this because they're either an Airbnb short-term rental host or they're interested. In your opinion, what do you think is an important personality or character trait or a strength that someone needs to hone into if they're going to be a, a great short-term rental host? I think your audience are doctors, right? Predominantly, at least. Yes. I think your audience has an advantage, an initial advantage. And that is the problem most hosts have is they're typical employees, office employees. There's nothing wrong with that. But what they do is they have a more focused view on work rather than like managers and doctors who are seeing more of the strategic areas, problem solving. And when you become an Airbnb host, you're not an, you're not an employee. You don't have an employee mindset anymore. You have, you're a business owner. You actually have to think strategically. And people management is a giant issue. So I see a lot of hosts aren't successful because 
they just aren't good at managing people. There's going to be an issue with the guest. And then a host goes through, let's say a typical host. They just started, they have had 10 reviews, 10 stays, and their first nine reviews were five, were five stars. And then that 10th stay comes on and they have some kind of a disagreement with the guest. And so they're thinking in the short term, all right, well, I've had nine good reviews. The 10th, I'd like to get a good review, but I don't like this. I don't like this guest. So, so they can, so expl- expletives. So they get a bad review. But the interesting thing about Airbnb is that the successful hosts, they lie in that 10th review. That 10th review is most important because everyone gets nine out of 10 five-star reviews. It's that 10th review that's the most important. So the main thing is step back with more strategic problem-solving entrepreneurial mindset. There's a problem. It can be solved. The guests couldn't get in at nine o'clock. You, that's a problem to be solved. I love that. So I sometimes hear other hosts and members of the community that I mentor. They're like, I'm just putting out fires. I'm putting out fires. And that's part of it, right? It's solving the problems. And if you can solve, the more problems you solve, right? The more you set yourself up, I think. What do you think about that? Yeah. So are you putting out fires today? The fire comes and you're putting it out? Or are you being more strategic and trying to figure out how can I avoid the fires in the future? That's the difference. And it makes all the difference, right? It's a huge difference. So so with that being said, what do you think is the most common challenge that some of the hosts that reach out to you are facing? Because but no, I don't think hosts are going to come to you when things are peachy for the most part. Maybe they may be ahead <laughs> of the curve, but it's when things are just really tight or they feel like they're facing some of the biggest challenges in their STR business or with their property. I'm assuming, and my assumptions may be wrong, is where I think they may reach out and say, Danny, help me. <laughs> so you tell me, what, what, do you, what if, whether that's right or not, first of all, and then what would you say some of the, the biggest challenges you see that they're reporting that they're facing and how we're going to tackle it? <laughs> yeah. Well, recently I just optimized the listing for a host who had already purchased an optimization from me and was already good. But at this point, the host had something like 550 reviews and they had like a five. 4.99 rating. And I looked at the listing and I was like, it's literally perfect. It, of all the hosts I've ever seen, you have like the per what I asked them, I was like, what do you want from me? What how can I help you? That you have you're there's nothing, you're just in the top 0.01%. And they're like, no, it's okay. I just want you to look at it and tell me what's going on. And that actually I work with a lot of hosts like this. Okay. Interestingly enough, and it kind of makes sense though now that I'm in this game is the best hosts are seeking help. The worst hosts aren't actually seeking help. So that's why I'm saying if they're on this call, you're probably towards the top end of the spectrum. But on Airbnb, the, a 4.9 on Airbnb isn't that good. You're in the top 25%. You're bordering on that 4.9. That's how competitive it is. But the thing that most hosts talk about, I had a call today in the, uh, pricing. Pricing gives hosts a lot of problems. And I understand why, but it's not as difficult as it should be. I mean, I don't know if pricing is like very visual though. I could talk about it, but it's like, I like to do videos and put on the YouTube, like here's the customization, here's why you would use the customization and here's how you would use the customization. But that's by far and away the biggest topic, pricing, pricing. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And I know that is something that is near and dear to all of us as well. I was just on a 
call this morning with Richie and his team from Price Labs as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the tool that I use personally, but there are some great pricing tools out there to make sure that we're using dynamic pricing. So for those of you who are new to us, that's very important. You don't want to just set one nightly rate for the whole year. I hope you should know about that by now if you're in this community, but it's important to make sure that you're optimizing your price as it relates to your listing. I'll give another more more listing-based tip that basically I think 95% of the times I see is an error, and that is too many photos. And I think photos is a highly converting section of your Airbnb. And a lot of hosts do this wrong, I think, because just by default, you think the more the merrier. And also Airbnb promotes it. Hey, put one, hey, we have a good idea. Put one photo of every angle in your room. Four (laughs) photos of the living room, four of the bedroom. And that's wrong. What you need to do is, again, give the guests as much as they need to feel comfortable with booking. And that typically is one angle per room, depending on how big your house is. If your house is small, then you would do, I just, I call them spaces. Just it's, it could be one room, but it could have a few spaces. The TV with the couch, maybe there's an armchair, which is like a reading space. So if it's a small room, you'd have to take photos of spaces. But if you have, let, I'll just drop some numbers. If you have a, like a two bedroom, two or three bedroom, you should have around 15 photos. No more than 13 photos. If you have a four bedroom and more, I mean, up at the upper limit, homes should never have more than 30 photos, maximum, maximum. And remember to order those in the hierarchy, in text, in, in title, the left is most important, in photos, the first is most important, the first five are most important. And in text, the highest thing you have rated is the highest te- piece of text you have is the most important. So that's what the guest, your SPG, I call them, future potential guest, that's what they value most. Not what you think is cool of your home, just that it was designed by Niemenheimer, I think it is, in California. Guest probably doesn't care that it was designed by Niemenheimer, but they want it, they've already seen how it looks. If they like how it looks, then tell, let them know, is there heated floors or something they haven't seen from the photos already? That's what the text is for. And you know what? That is such a great point. I'm excited you mentioned that because I was just doing a property critique a little bit earlier. And I'm that, I'm guilty. I'm a photo hoarder. (laughs) So I put, I know I put way too many photos and I don't know if it's something that I can kick that habit, but 30 is alarmingly lower than I would have anticipated for sure. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? So what if I feel... Like all the angles of my room need to be shared because I just love every single angle. How do you then streamline and how do you make your peace with it and reduce those angles? That's part of the reason why people pay me because with my own Airbnb, I also had trouble. I was like, just like you said, I like this angle. This is a great angle, but the guest doesn't care what I like. The guest wants to be convinced that they, they want to be convinced, okay, I have a bajillion Airbnb listings. Most of them look alike. This is clearly my, they want to, I, as a guest, I could tell you this for certain. I look at listing and I don't know what my best choice is because the host is not telling me that. They're not telling me this is what you're getting for this price. And if I'm looking, if each listing has 45 photos, how many of those am I going to look through number one and remember? But if this one listing has 15 photos, awesome photos, I'm probably going to be thinking about that more. And in psychology, if you get someone thinking about a subject more, it's more, it becomes more persuasive. And in Airbnb terms, if you have 
a bunch of different things. Everything is different. The title is different. The photos is different. The text is different. The guest is going to pick up on some of those. And even when they're looking at other listings, you know, the idea is you're in their mind more because you're like, oh, that floor plan in the photos, I've never seen it. That sticks out. You get an extra two seconds of thinking time from that guest. And every second, <laughs> you're absolutely right. And that's something really important that you mentioned a little bit, especially from the the title, for instance. And we all know that that real estate is very sparse if we're looking, just scrolling through. So I counted at one point, maybe 31 or 33 characters in the title. That's your opportunity to razzle dazzle. And one thing that I like to add in my title and feel free to override me, Danny, it's new when it's a new property. But when we looked at it, there were like three or four that said new. And it's like, well, if they're all new, you can't put new because everyone's new. It's no longer unique, so to speak. So could you tell us a little bit about what are some lessons that you've taught hosts about their listing title? Or what are some of the mistakes that you've seen hosts make with their listing title? Well, one of the mistakes I've seen is the one that you just highlighted. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't want to, the title has become even more important because even though it's shown on P2, we call it, which is the search page two with the map, even though it's shown on there, it's really not highlighted. I guess don't even see it anymore. So where they're really seeing it is on P3, which is the listing page. And it's become the summary text. Basically, it's all the way at the top. So they might even be seeing that before the photos, but probably they're just clicking on the photos right away if they haven't already from that P2 page. And so what I like to do is photos first, then title, then text. And so do you think... And this is a question for you. Do you think if I'm a guest and I look at the photos, do you think that I have already decided for myself if this is a new looking listing or not? That's a great question. I think so subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. A lot of times someone might say like, right. If I looked at the photos, I'll probably already decide whether or not I think it is bright or bohemian, whatever the style is. But I've already looked at the photos. I already know whether it's bohemian. So the title is supposed to highlight things that the photo doesn't highlight. So, and in the title, I like you, you should be highlighting. That's 50 characters, by the way. You should be highlighting four, at least four amenities. The title's for amenities. So ignore, don't use words, generic adjectives, like new, for example. Sorry to pick on you. But (laughs) what I have, for example, in my, in my home is I have the, the brand name, Belmonte Van House. If you're going to brand your listing, which is a separate topic and not suitable for most people, then you should include that in the title. But if you're not going to do that, then what things you should put in the title are things that you cannot see from the photos. So what that might be is, do you allow early check-in or late checkout? Do you allow, I know for my place, it's a four bedroom, nicer house and people come to party. And so I say, and there's a lot of really strict guest policy. So I said, I have a flexible guest policy and there's always a question and the messages. I'm coming, I have friends, this and that. We want to have a pre-party at your house. Do you allow guests? So I just have that right there. Flexible, you can't see that in the photos. It's important to guests. It's a perfect place to put that in the title. You can also do things, depending on how basic your listing is, but you could self-check-in or Netflix, smart TV, whatever, 900 megabytes per second, Wi-Fi, whatever they can't see from the photos. I love it. And the fact that you said four amenities, if we can squeeze four amenities in there, 
I think that is valuable insight. With that being said, so my next question to you, we, go for it. Yeah, I want to highlight two titles because titles are so important, especially yeah. now, Dave, that we can't Please. see it on our, our P2. So the last two listings that I optimized, in one of them, we highlighted the distance from downtown. We highlighted that it's a king memory foam bed. King, you can't tell if it's a king. You can just see a big bed. You're not sure. But that's a high, that's a feature of guests like that. Memory foam, can't see it. Netflix and pets okay. And the other one, we have a few amenities that should be shown in the photos, but the, the host didn't have them in the photos, like fire pit, private patio. And then we also did like, oh, 85-inch TV. So I see a TV, it's big, but 85 inches is giant. Maybe I don't know. It's like 85 inches is really big. So you can see big TV, but you can't see how big it is. Netflix With Netflix, the internet speed, and then washer dry, which is, again, isn't in the photos. But if it was, you might not want to highlight it. Oh, another thing about title. You, what you want title. So with washer and dryer, I just put WD and that's okay. What you want the guests, remember trying to get them to think about you more. Well, what ideally they will say like, what is that? What is, what is WD? And then how do I find that? Well, there's more text down here. Or sometimes I see like walk score 99. And even though that's kind of evident what it is still, they're like, well, walk score. I don't know. I, I, I think I know what that is, but what is that? I want to know. So Oh, I want to know what is, what does that mean? So it doesn't have, it can just be kind of like cliffhangers, like bits of information where the guest is like, oh, I want to know more flexible guest policy. Oh, how flexible? I want to know more. Yeah. And I like that a lot. I almost feel as though it, it ties into the photographs as well. It's like, you're giving them just enough to know all of the angles or all of how the property looks without overwhelming them with all the information at first kind of like a cliffhanger oh my gosh this room looks amazing i'm gonna have to book to see what it really looks like in person i don't know but it, i can over i can see being overwhelmed going back to the photos with eight angles of the same room <laughs> although there are eight amazing angles so so i do like the bite-sized pieces of information i do feel like we we touch on this a little bit but i did want to ask you so what is one thing that you would say that most people disagree with you on with optimization of listings. So what do you encounter that you, one recommendation that you, you would make that most people say, uh-uh, no, absolutely not. That's a good question. I think the first thing that comes to mind is listing on how many platforms should you be listed on? Oh, that's a hot topic. And the common knowledge, the assumed common knowledge is, well, I might as well be listed on every platform. I have a wider net. And I would argue against that because what you want to do is, first of all, in my opinion, if you have your, if you have your space listed on five different platforms, you're probably going to have five average listings. And you're probably going to be average in terms. There are differences between these platforms. So you can be an expert on one platform. That's why I'm the expert on Airbnb. I don't know VRBO and booking because Airbnb is the leader and I'm more of an expert on Airbnb than anyone else. I know very intimately. And so I prefer just to list on one platform, whether it's Airbnb or not, whatever's most popular for you, get all my reviews on that platform because you're going to rank high. If after a certain point, when you have more good reviews than your competition, you're just going to be number one. You're just going to be full all year round rather than after 100 reviews, having 20 reviews on each platform, having 100 on one platform is much better. The reason why people disagree with me is like, oh, you could get kicked off that platform at any time. And that's true. 
but it's like so rare we're focusing on the thing that's least likely to happen. And if it did happen, what's your alternative? Well, go listen to the platform. It's not the end of the world. You have to start off new, but it's not like you're totally dead in the water. And again, it just doesn't ha- happen so rarely. Now, your hosts, I'm talking to your audience who has one, two, three, four, five, maybe 10 listings. If you're a property manager, this becomes a different, I call myself the best in the world for hosts with less than 15 units. If you're a property manager and managing for other people that have a bigger operation, this conversation changes. But if you just have one or two listings, three listings, five listings, this is the best advice. You don't have all the time in the world. Focus your time on one. Again, remember, if you have VRBO and booking and all these, and you have a PMS, there's all these little intricacies that you have to do, which is specific to all these different platforms. So you're spreading your time thin for, at the end of the day, maybe you're going to get, maybe you're getting 60% from Airbnb, 20% from booking and 20% from BRBO. But what if you took your listing off BRBO and booking? A portion of that 40% would, could just go to Airbnb because those days would be open. So maybe on Airbnb, that 60% would go to, I don't know, 80 or 90%. And then you could focus your reviews on that, rank higher, and then focus and be an expert on that platform and then rate, get even more of an occupancy. So if you do, I would say list on one other platform, list on two platforms, the most popular, and maybe go a direct booking route, which is a whole other topic for, we could spend a couple hours doing that. But those would be the three, two main platforms and direct booking would be like maximum that I would do. Awesome. I absolutely love that because there is a power in focus for sure, right? Some of us may have trust issues and we're going to diversify and do all the things. But if we can focus on that one platform or two platform, there's a lot of power that comes with that because essentially you can become an expert, like you said. And when updates are made, you can, no stones will be unturned by the t- by the time you're done with that platform because it's really important to become an expert in the OTA that you're listing on. So I absolutely love that. Danny, he is our expert on here. He's an Airbnb expert. He helps hosts optimize their listings so that they can get higher and or appear to be higher in search rankings. They can leverage higher occupancies. They can be found on inquiries, more inquiries. They're able to increase their nightly rates. You'll get more listing views, more conversions, and more credibility, right? The more five-star reviews you have, that is the more credibility that you will have in the marketplace. And all of those things lead to, I believe, an increase in revenue because here's the deal. 2023, what AirDNA is projecting, the overall U.S. market in 2023 is going to see a reduction in revenue by 1.6%. So it is time that for those of you who have been on the fence, who have placed a property into service, who have set it and forget it, it is time to optimize. It is time to make sure that you are operating in a way that is going to be at your highest level so that you can generate revenue because it's not guaranteed. (laughs) It's not guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed, but definitely the increases that we have seen in demand over the last couple of years, we're not going to be seeing those same types of numbers. So it's going to be really important to to connect and to optimize. We went in, we talked about photos, much to my disappointment, Danny wants me to reduce the number of my photos. So we're going <laughs> to, that's a work in progress. We talked about the listing title and Danny gave us some great examples of listing titles and how not to waste 
those 50 characters. So you counted 50 characters, which is amazing. How not to waste those 50 characters on things that is obvious to the guests, right? So one of my favorite things were new and king size bed, because I love a king size bed. He slapped the new down. He's like, nope. But King Size Bed, he agreed with that. So I feel like I'm like 50 50 with Danny so far. And I love it. And I'm here for it because we're always looking for ways to improve and for ways to optimize. So the next thing, Danny, there's something that you had shared about, Danny, the other day for guests who are living in homes a little bit more long term. And you had stated that this guest had continued to get, this host had continued to get like five star reviews because as a short-term say, but you are going to stay there long-term. And there are nuances and annoyances that mid-term guests encounters that a short-term guest would not have necessarily encountered because they're in and they're out. So it's not worth them addressing that. And I just thought that was so key because a lot of us are looking at, especially in the suburban areas, hosting as mid-term rental hosts as well. We're helping those who are displaced from their home insurance policy holders have had the opportunity to host that avatar for the past two and a half years. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. If you're targeting, yeah, I think you're referring to a YouTube video I did when I was staying in Bali long-term and Bali's mm -hmm. typically a short-term market. And this listing had fantastic reviews and I stayed there and I was like, I'm so unsatisfied with this place. And the reason why is because as a long-term guest in that moment, I had other wants. I had, so what they provided was they provided breakfast. So they had someone come over and cook in the kitchen with the breakfast. But as a long term, they didn't provide that. And so I was cooking myself. And the, the kitchen amenities were horrendous. I'm talking like on one of the knives, they had duct tape. <laughs> and so, <laughs> right, if you want, you're sitting at a desk. So if I'm on a vacation for two, three, four or five nights, I can sit at the dining table. That's fine. But if I'm going to stay for a month, it might become a bit of an issue. I'd rather have a desk with a desk chair. I have a desk chair here, actually, which is very uncommon. So things that are just kind of annoyances for short-term guests become real issues for long-term guests. I saw one house, which was monthly only, and they had a desk, but they had like a beanbag type chair without a backrest. And I was like, well, that's such low-hanging fruit for a one or two night stay. Yeah, probably that's fine. If you like the house and location, fine. And for 30 days, a lot of people are going to be like, no, I'm not staying at that place because of that specific thing. So you got to think about these type of things. Washer and dryer becomes more, more convenient. I think in the U.S. everyone has a washer and dryer, so that probably doesn't matter. Yeah, most people do. No, so good. That is so good because part of the whole strategy for a lot of us who are looking to expand our reach, a lot of people are reaching out to me about the midterm rental strategy, and that is part of it. Fully stocked kitchen with great cooking tools that are quality, not just the bland knife, but yours was taped up with duct tape. So I think that's very interesting. What are your top three tips for someone very new to being an STR host? So your top three tips, Danny. My top three tips. So I have a video that I want you to search after this. It's top 10 tips. It's just like eight minutes long. It's top 10 tips for new Airbnb hosts. I think it's actually my most viewed video. And so the top three things uh, that you should be focusing on. Let's see. What should they be? I mean, there's a lot of things, but okay. I think I have a, I have two. 
Okay, I have three. So the first one is going to be when you're a new listing, you have to follow my new listing calendar strategy. And that is to start you off with good momentum. And there's a whole strategy behind that. But the idea is to get you three quick reviews. And the reason why we want three quick reviews is because once you get that third review, the star starts showing up on that P2 page that I messaged, that I mentioned earlier, which is with the map. Without that, you don't have the stars. And so there's a whole bunch, and you don't want to be a new host waiting a month for your first review. So you shorten your length of stay, just like five, six days maximum. You want to get ideally one day, one day. So you want to get those three reviews because as a new listing, you're not proven. There's a whole segment of guests who are just ignoring your listing without reviews. They just, they don't want to deal with it. They're a little, they might be first time guests. They rather would go with listings with current, recent good reviews. So that's number one. I don't see people doing that first. They, they overvalue their house first. So the part of the new listing calendar strategy is rock bottom prices for just three weeks, three, four weeks until you get that third review. Then you open up the calendar, then you raise the prices. Because in the first three reviews, the priority is the reviews, good, long, lengthy, positive reviews, not profit, not your goal in those first few reviews. The second is going to be the digital guidebook, which is an underutilized service, especially because it's free from our friends at Hostfully. And what that does is all the common questions that I guess, this is especially important for long-term reservations, but all the common questions that I guess might have Wi-Fi, how to empty the trash, how to reset the wire, the walk, the Wi-Fi, how to work the hot tub, any kind of amenities, complicated dishwasher or coffee machine. It gives the guests a digital guidebook, well-organized, that answers all their questions. There's a strategy to get the guests to open that digital guidebook. But once they realize what it is, they realize, oh, wow, all of these nine common questions, they're all answered here. So they don't have to wait for you to answer them. That's a huge improvement in the guest experience. And the last thing, I think I already forgot about the last thing, but let me think of, an, let me think of another one. I think what I was going to say is messaging. Messaging is a important aspect of it going along with the, the guest reservation flow that it follows it follows the flow and so actually i'll offer all of your viewers a discount which is provided in the book so if you already have the book you probably already got this because it's probably my best-selling item because of this but it's my message template series of 11 messages and if you type in if you use i believe it i haven't i believe it's optimized book that's the code and they'll give you 50 dollars off that message templates, which is 75 bucks. So it'll cost 25 bucks. But what that does is it helps you understand what information you should send to the guest at what point. And it has the effect also of increasing your review rate, which on average is 70% on Airbnb. My review rate hovers in the high 80s. And what that does is when you get a negative review, when you get a negative review, it'll affect your rating less because you'll have an extra 15, 20% of reviews on your profile existing. I love that. Could you remind me of your YouTube channel's name so that we can drop it? And that's something we're definitely going to do at the end of the show as well is where can we find you? You can type in my name or you could type in Optimize Airbnb and it'll come up probably. The technical name is Optimize My Airbnb. Awesome. So tell us, Danny, I know there's a lot of tech associated with Short-term rentals, everyone wants to be a part of Airbnb right now in terms of leveraging opportunities. Could you tell us what is an underrated tool that you use that you feel like is totally indispensable for your 
for your STR business? Okay. I'll just, I'm going to say, I don't know if it's, I'm going to say, okay, the tool, I just started using it and I haven't had the best experience with customer service as well. So I feel, I feel like I don't want to mention them, but it is a cool tool and it has a lot of, it can be very useful especially if you're going the direct booking route, which I'll give a quick tip on as well. Direct booking for anyone who isn't familiar is getting a guest outside of the OTAs, Airbnb booking. So you can bypass when basically when problems arrive, you can bypass the Airbnb system. The guest saves on those OTA fees. And so the tool that I just recently set up in my Airbnb here in Colombia is called StayFi. Are you familiar with that? Yes, yes. Is that the tool that you're collecting the emails? Yep. Okay. Exactly. So when you're in Starbucks, for example, and they ask you, hey, just give us your name and your email. I think they ask for like birthday address, all this stuff, too much stuff. But there, that's what StayFi is. You're getting, here's the Wi-Fi, to, but you have to sign into the Wi-Fi with, your, I did the name, email, and phone number. And so that gives me a list of my prior guests. This works especially well in places where there's repeat guests, but it still works well even if there's not, so that you can later on email them and even text message them to get some direct bookings. This is especially relevant if you're if you do it during low season. You can offer a friends and family discount. Hey, any of your friends and family, I'm giving an exclusive discount to you. And another, so the tip as it relates to direct booking is that this is a hotter topic recently, direct bookings, and it can get very complicated. I've been doing the direct booking route over the past year, trying a bunch of stuff out, and it can be really time intensive. So what I would say is the best way to do direct bookings, if you wanted to go that route, is think about the quality of your home and think about what kind of businesses are in your area that have incoming clientele and who might have might need your space or your space might be very useful to them. So if there's a, I was just talking with a host in Sarasota and she has bunch of plastic surgery places nearby. You go into plastic surgery, you're going to stay for a week or two. So if these plastic surgery places are offering some kind of a package and she's really nearby that place, she can go there and say, yeah, I have an Airbnb. It's nice and it matches. It's nice and it matches your kind of clientele, high-end plastic surgery place. You can offer it to your guests, very convenient. So that's kind of the like lowest hanging fruit that I would say in my experience doing social media, making videos, et cetera. That's the lowest hanging fruit, just going to businesses nearby and offering your space, letting them know about you. But understanding as well, like you're not going to go to a fortune. If you're in San Francisco, you're not going to go to Airbnb and be like, hey, I have one Airbnb for you. No, in that case, you would go to like like some kind of a local, maybe there's a dentist known and people are flying in all the time doing dentist work or some kind of surgery. Maybe there's a school and they have a preferred list of houses nearby. So yes, that's what I'm doing now. So I'll update you. And if you end up doing that, I would love for you to update me, see if that strategy works. So we're going to test that together. Oh, I love that. Okay. We have another question. What are the biggest mistakes new hosts make? And I know that some of us had issues logging in, but would you mind touching base on that again for us? Danny, we spoke about it a little bit, but I would love for you to offer your perspective here. If there's something else you'd like to add as well. 
new mistakes that new hosts make? Biggest mistakes that new hosts make. So we have some new people who are new to short-term rentals. They're about to purchase or they have one that has recently launched. So the question is, what are the biggest mistakes new hosts make? The three mistakes that new hosts... Or, Or just the one, one biggest mistake, just one. One biggest mistake, yeah. The thing is, it's hard... I'd like to answer more specific questions because these general questions are hard and I don't want to steer someone because I don't know her specific situation. So I don't want to steer them in the wrong direction. But let me think about something that I personally see many hosts make a mistake on and how that can be improved. I'm going to I'm gonna actually bring it back a little bit. So a new host, even before you're a new host, especially as we mentioned, if there's a recession price, there's going to be some deals. I've talked with recently a few hosts different times where it seems like they're thinking about things that they should have thought about before they bought the property. So they bought the property and then they're like, well, I wonder how much occupancy I get. I wonder how much I can charge for a nightly rate. So when you're, but these are things you want to think about before you buy that new property, before you enter into that lease, examining the numbers and what you think you might want to get. The last thing you want to do is like I had some, I just had a conversation with someone. Is He's in a very bad situation. He bought this condo and only to realize like it's a 32-day minimum, which is terrible because on Airbnb, you get a discount at 28 days. And a lot of people are searching for 28, 20, 30 days, but very few people are searching for 32 or four days. And so even if someone's, even if he gets a booking, if he has a gap of 31 days, He can't get that booked. It's automatically blocked by the city. So as we start examining some deals, look and start really examining them. I have a whole blog and videos on this as well, how to do market vacation rental market analysis to figure out not only what size home to buy, but you know, but not only where to buy, what micro neighborhood to buy, but what size home to buy. You would be surprised when you look at the data, just adding an extra bathroom, a three bedroom, two bathroom, to a three bedroom, three bathroom. It makes you an extra 20,000 bucks. So that would be the biggest mistake that, uh, well, not necessarily the biggest mistake, but it would be a huge mistake if you happen to find yourself in this situation. But in terms of if you're already hosting, the biggest mistake that I see is in terms of pricing, I see a lot of hosts. I also use price slaps, which I know that you do. A lot of hosts, they... Add, they don't really understand pricing. And so what they do is they added a bunch of defaults, a bunch of customizations. And sometimes I look at it and there's like three or four customizations working against themselves. And then they get upset. Oh, pricing is so complicated. Like, where is this number coming from? So how to approach pricing is just go in very easy and just get to know the tool by adjusting your base price and your minimum price. Just do that for a month until you get comfortable with it. And then when you notice some patterns, maybe people are booking weekends only. That's a pattern. And that's when we use customizations to counteract patterns. So after a month, you realize, okay, I see a pattern on people booking weekends. I'm, is there a customization to increase the weekend price? And any kind of pattern that you see with Price Labs, there's probably a customization you can use to to reverse that pattern or flatten it out. Ooh, I love, love, love those. So in summary, the first one was a regulatory constraint, right? So however that property was regulated, 
that 32 night minimum is a mistake, guys. So understand the regulations of your city, understand the regulations of that specific property. If it's an HOA, that comes first before we do any deal. And yeah, thank you for the heads up on the pricing as well. So both great points. So Danny, what's one question that you wish I asked you and how would you have answered? Oh, <laughs> gotcha. These are good questions. Yeah, you're, let's see. I talked about, I, we talked about the, the biggest issues are we talked about the mindset. You talked about the vacation rental analysis. We talked about the guest flow. We talked about the biggest things as an Airbnb. What else? Maybe you, <laughs> I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not sidestepping the question, but you haven't yet asked me how might your guests find me, get in touch with me, get more material after this call. Oh, that's great. My next question was, how can the listeners find you, Danny? <laughs> Perfect. How can the listeners find you, Danny? <laughs> so if, there is, if someone is thinking, oh, I wish she asked him this thing, or you're a little bit shy, but I think it's a dumb question. You can find me by typing in optimize my Airbnb. You can type that on Google and my Instagram will pop up, my Twitter, my YouTube, my website. And you can, there's ways to contact me on all of those platforms. I have the book called Optimize Your BNB that's available on basically everywhere, mostly on Amazon. People mostly buy it on Amazon. Oh, I love that. So Danny, I thank you so much for being a wealth of knowledge and pouring into the short-term rental Airbnb hosts out there and just putting the information out there because I know it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. You're essentially the guinea pig that is living in these Airbnbs and relaying your own insights and your own information to host so that we can make hosting better and we can rent responsibly and do all the things that are great for our economy as well as the economy as a whole. So massive thank you for that. Any final words before I let you go? Well, un until we speak again, happy hosting. Awesome. Thank you. Massive thank you for being a part of our community, the best part of the community. Goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.